Welcome to Ex Libris On Air and the stories behind the stories of today's literature and their authors. Greetings for Ex Libris On Air. This is J. Douglas Parker. The book's title is God's Immeasurable Grace and Mercy and subtitled A Powerful Look at the Story of Jonah and How It Correlates Spirituality to the Leadership in the Church. And joining me, joining me from near Dallas, Texas, is author Kevin Petty. Welcome, Kevin, to the program. Thank you for having me. Well, this I, is, yes, I'm glad, glad to meet you and talk with you. Go ahead. Yes, I, I appreciate uh, you taking time um, uh, with me today. This is a, a a short read to some degree. What is it about a hundred pages or so? And and uh, it deals with uh, your observations about a Bible character named Jonah. If I uh, am understanding the basic premise, why did this book get written? What was your passion to do so? Well, I saw the church um, going not not uh, doing the things that I that I saw in my heart that the church should be doing, um, winning the souls, telling people about Christ, uh, being the light in the darkness. And I didn't, and to me, it, it was not going the way I, I believe the Lord wanted it to go. So I felt in my heart that I, I should uh, just write this book and just give an outline of what the church should be. Now, would you call this book a book of uh, correction, uh, one of encouragement? How would you describe it? I would, I would describe it as a, as a way of, of helping people to, to understand the way the Lord is um, showing His grace and mercy toward men, and and giving His. Is information that they will, they, they they can see how the Lord is moving um, the body of Christ. Now there are the means of worship. There are a couple of things in the story of Jonah for those who may not be biblically oriented. This is a a book of encouragement for church folks primarily, but it uh, really the 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 story of Jonah is one that works in uh, in on many levels. Uh, Jonah is a uh, an Old Testament character. Uh, there is a city by the name of Nineveh. How do those stories relate to modern times? Well, you can you can look at it like that. Um, I would say in modern times, it it has it has a forgiveness. It has uh, God's working on people consciousness. I mean, you, you still you still see people that. That are, you know, as mean, about as about as mean as, as as Jonah was. He wasn't. He 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 didn't. Um, he disliked some things. Um, he didn't. He didn't agree with with the uh, some people of ethnicity um, that wasn't that was not uh, in in his uh, I guess in his position. So it. So in in a way it. It, it, it has something that that I felt that people need to overcome these barriers. I mean, we still have, you know, people of color, uh, black people and white people, churches. I mean, like I said in the book, that that today communities are not coming together because they, uh, you know, some people don't doesn't like 
uh, the black people and some and some black people don't like white people and and the um, and some people don't like different different groups and then then it it also deals with theology because some people don't understand other people the theology if you if you're if you're Pentecost I'm Baptist well I'm not dealing with with your division and, and yet we're still called the church mm. and we should come together as one and and that's and and that's what the that, that it, it doesn't matter, you know, what barriers you you have. You need to come together in Christ Jesus, whether you believe what I believe or or not believe what I believe. But we do have one goal: is to tell to tell people that this is this is the only way is is to know Christ as Savior. Well, those are good good words of advice for for anybody, I guess, uh, who who may uh, embrace faith as a foundation for their life. Now, Jonah was an interesting character. He was a an old what's called an Old Testament prophet. Uh, he didn't feel like being one, so he ran in the other direction, and the consequences of his choices made him. Uh, uh, fall into the sea, actually, at the encouragement of the people who uh, who were running the ship. And uh, the story goes that he was swallowed by a large fish, or in our, uh, our, our lingo, maybe a whale. And uh, even science has proven that it's possible that an, an individual could live inside the... Uh, the uh, body of a whale for an extended period of time, so that's scientifically possible. The unique thing is that this whale, if it was controlled by God, which Scripture says it was, uh, eventually got sick of him and threw him up on the shore, and uh, right in the town or near the town of the area he was supposed to get to work and do God's bidding. Would that be a good descriptive of uh, of maybe a, a cautionary tale for us? Yes, that's true. I mean, um, that that fish... That 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 um, that swallowed Jonah. Um, it, it really did humble him, and and that's and that's the description of of also of Christ uh, inside the belly of the earth uh, for three days, and and then um, being raised, and um, and and that that has meaning to all of us because um, resurrection is is a word that that. That that is that is when when you look at all the Christianity, that's part of of our promise that we're going to be resurrected when we die, or or while we're on this earth. The Lord said said in, you you know, you know not the day or the hour when I'm going to come back and and take my people away, and so so resurrection is is part of the um, trends that 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 is uh, found in the Bible, and that's and that's part of what what I believe, and and that's what we should be uh, teaching in our churches about uh, God's rapturing the church up or resurrection on that day. Uh, your book is, as as I will underscore, you're not a traditional pastor or minister or in ministry, but you are personally a Bible student and and love digging into the history of uh, scriptural references and and those types of things and the analogies that you have outlined in your book about God's immeasurable grace and mercy uh, revolves around the story of Jonah. Uh, How long did it take you, Kevin, to complete your work? I would, it it, it did take me, I would say maybe about a year and a half because I had to think what I wanted to write and, and I just, I, I felt the Lord impressed on me about Jonah. I, I said, you know, 
I'm gonna look at Jonah, read the story, and and see how I can have this story relate to the principles of God's word, and and see if this will uh, help men and women to not only understand God's word or or, or understand the book of Jonah, but but help people to uh, live according according to uh, God's word, and seeing and then and also I want to also just bring an insight to God's mercy and God's grace, which is the important thing. Because the more we we look at God's grace and God's mercy and see and see how His love for us is is uh, so shining forth in in uh, in our life as well as in Jonah's life, it, it just it just brings an open understanding of what what we should what we should be. I mean, it's just like those people that was on that ship. They they saw that Jonah was was the key to their survival. And when they and when they understood who who Jonah was, they, they put away all the gods they had and started worshiping worshiping Jonah's God. Mm. So 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 that just shows you how God's mercy and grace can just penetrate uh, men's heart when when they uh, when when they they uh, they're not realizing how how much God loves them. Your style of writing and the contents, would you consider this to be a devotional guide for people of faith, or, or how would you describe the, the perfect reader or the reader you'd like to reach? Well, I like to, I mean, not only just Christian people, I mean, those that, that are of faith, but also those that are un, unbelieving Christians, those that don't believe uh, Jonah's story. I I think that I'm I might have put an insight, or if they take time to read it, they might have an insight of, of this story not being an allegory, but being a true story, and and believing that this this man existed and, and did and did these things. Um, so I like 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 you said about the fish. I mean, some people don't believe that that uh, that a fish could swallow a whole man, and then that's why they feel like it's an allegory. But this was this was a true story. Uh, this this would help penetrate them to see uh, how Christ is. I mean, I I talk about how the Lord is using men, regardless of who they are, whatever their background is. The Lord can use you. Excellent. The book itself. Were there challenges in getting it completed? Did you have any uh, anything that was um, unusual about? writing the content or doing the research on it? Well, I I did take time to, um, like I said, uh, study other, or hearing other people and and looking into uh, the history as much as I could. I, I didn't want to do a historical. Uh, I, I wanted to do, I wanted to limit historical stuff because I'm, I'm not a scholar, but um, I wanted to just, briefly give information as as limited and I didn't want to make it, you know, very long. I wanted to to uh hit the points of uh of understanding and uh give people a brief brief understanding of church history as best as I could and um and, and, and try and try to tell men, you know, this is what the church should be. This is what what God's love is what God's grace is and God's mercy. So, 
So I did do a, a little bit of study and, and took time to, uh, to, to research a little bit. And then trying to end the book, I had to research my soul to uh, find, find the, the, the best ending. Excellent. Excellent job, Kevin, for a first effort. And uh, this title is God's Immeasurable Grace and Mercy by author Kevin Petty. Kevin, I have a feeling that this may have whetted your appetite. Is there a desire to maybe publish in the future? Yes, I I, I will uh, again try to publish more books. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'm just I just want the Lord to uh, bless me with with this with this first one I have and and in and if the Lord allows me, I'm going to see if I can get some more books out to help other to help in different parts of the Bible because today we we need God's word and and if we get people to uh to start reading God's word to start realizing how much he has to afford us I think I think we could help help this nation to to uh, come together as one and and help bring people to the Lord and that's and that's the mission of the church is to help people and to bring them to the Lord. Well, thank you, Kevin, for sharing your story and your passion behind the writing of this book, God's Immeasurable Grace and Mercy. Kevin, where can my listeners get a copy of this? They can go to uh, my website, uh, Zubris, uh, X-L-I-B-R-I-S, dot com. Uh, Just put in the title, and and, and they'll be able to find it or... Or they can go to, and it is on Amazon, uh, just put the title, God's Immeasurable Grace, and put my name, uh, Kevin Petty, and, and they'll be able to find it. Excellent. Also. Excellent. And if they do a search under your name, anything that comes up in the future will also appear under your name. Kevin is That's spelled right. just like it sounds, K-E-V-I-N, and last name Petty, P-E-T-T-Y. Kevin, thank you for joining me from near Dallas, and best of luck to you in the future, and hope to visit with you again. Oh, yes, and, and I do thank you for calling, and um, I'm hoping to uh, be back on with another book. Fabulous. Thank you, Jay. My pleasure. For Ex Libris On Air, this is Jay Douglas Barker. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Welcome back to Ex Libris.
Readings for Ex Libris on Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. An important title in this book, Parenting Errors, How to Solve Them. And joining me from the West Coast in California is author Dr. Kirby T. Elvey. Welcome, sir, to the program. Good to be here. Good to be here, Jay. You are a, a prolific writer from my perspective, over 10 books that have to deal with this subject. You have spent 50 years of your life, I shouldn't say spent it, you have invested it in clinical child psychology and other areas of uh, helping parents. Where did this passion come from, and how did you get started? Well, I've always had a special place in my heart for children. And that started early. Uh, I'm the last of five kids. And when my brothers and sisters started to have their children, I kind of fell in love with uh, with kids. Actually, one of the things I did when I was nine years old and my first nephew came into this world, I gave out bubblegum cigars at my <laughs> elementary school. Wow. I've always been very excited by the spontaneity and genuineness of children. And um, when I got in a position to uh, be of help to kids, when I worked at Juvenile Hall and then got my doctorate, I decided to focus on helping children by educating, help educate parents to do the best job possible. Started out with a, you know, a real love and fondness for children. And it uh, apparently is still in place because you are the founder-director of the Center for the Improvement of Child Caring in California. This book, the title is something that I think you and I have discussed off-air, and that was Parenting Errors, and most of us who are parents or who have been parents uh, look back at what we have, of of decisions and, and styles that we have had, and wish we could correct them. What is your observations in your book? Well, first of all, a very important thing, Jay, is to realize that the challenges and responsibilities of being a parent are gigantic, really. They're enormous when you look at all the things we do for and on behalf of children, you know, starting with the providing resources for the home and then dealing with uh, daily crises and uh, uh, the, the evolution of kids, they're, they're not static uh, beings. They change and develop over time, and we were involved in protecting them. We're involved in promoting their development, every aspect of their development. And basically, when you look at what the job of parenting is, it's a tough job, mm-hmm. and it's one that's really primed for making errors. In fact, that's really part and parcel of of parenting is that you're going to make errors because very few people have been uh, prepared uh, to do as error-free or errorless parenting as possible. So that's the first thing to really be appreciative of, that uh, being a parent is an invitation to make errors. And then the question is, is what do you do? when you you have made an error. And of course, the book is very clear that there are different types of errors that we parents make. There's errors of commission, where we talk to kids in a certain way or we do things that are destructive for their development. 
And then there's errors of omission where we don't do things that are helpful for their for our kids' development. So you've got different types of errors. And the book orients people that there's an approach, it teaches an approach, the AAR approach, which is to admit, you know, that we've made an error. And that takes a lot of courage to basically to say, you know, I really am behaving in such a way that's tough for my uh, kids. And then apologize. It's very important to apologize to kids. I want to talk to you because I'm not too happy with how I've been relating to you. Mm-hmm. I'm not real happy that I've, for example, I didn't pick you guys up uh, at school on time or things like that. And, you know, and apologize to children. But that's not far enough. Then this is where the book really comes in handy. Is you, is we, we want the parents to make a plan for how they can restore the relationship you know, admit, apologize, and restore, or make restitution, and come up with a plan for how they can help, you know, become a better parent. And you can do that by learning more about good parenting, taking classes, you know, uh, going online and looking for the best websites. You can do a lot of things to become a better parent. Absolutely. yeah, and that's 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 the kind of the, one of the unique things about this approach, is it says you know it's not just enough to admit and apologize, but you should come up with a plan to restore your relationship with your kids. And incidentally, Jay, this can be done when you're an adult, a parent of, a, of, of adult children. As you look back on your experiences. Mm-hmm. You can still use this approach. I'm a parent of adult uh, kids now. Uh, so the book kind of gives you an approach. First of all, it lets you know that making errors is part and parcel of being a parent. It's part of the territory. And then secondly, there's an approach that you can use to help restore a relationship, you know. And then the book gives you all sorts of uh, ways of becoming a better parent. We promote a certain style of parenting, an authoritative style, where you become very involved with your kids in a very positive way. Beautiful. And the book describes all this. It's written in a conversational style. I will mention this to my listeners. This this book, although written by a, a clinical child psychologist, is not complicated. It's straightforward, uh, down-to-earth, and uh, conversational in its approach. I appreciated that when I, I began to peruse uh, the contents. Thank you, thank you. Uh, um, today's parents are, well, parents are always, have a lot to do, a lot on their plate, and uh, I think it's it's to all of our advantages to be able to look at parenting and read and, you know, become knowledgeable and as, you know, and as concrete and simple and practical a way. And the book was, thank you for acknowledging that. Yes, and and also... Also, also, I will I will say this as well. Uh, although you have been a child psychologist and working in this arena for around fifty years, the methods and the observations are contemporary. You you mentioned media and how it's impacting our kids. I thought that was also a very important part of uh, your observations. 
Well, in in this world of the Internet and social media, parents are challenged by having to deal with their kids' involvement with uh, social media. And, uh, I mean, that's that's a part of contemporary parenting. Yeah. Um, yes. Many of us were not, did not come up with that, you know, with that background, but our children are. Right. Right. And for grandparents who, some of us who are grandparents, I'm not one of them that uh, doesn't understand uh, media and computers and how to turn them on and off. But when we see our grandchild yeah. sitting in the corner of the room, totally absorbed yeah. in uh, internet uh, conversations and so on, is there a way for us to gently? Uh, influence them? Well, it's important for... Well, parents can become knowledgeable uh, about uh, the Internet and social media. Uh, There's all sorts of uh, educational tools to become more knowledgeable. And um, the parents need to look at whether their kids' involvement uh, with uh, social uh, media is promoting or detracting from the quality of of family life. Um, And parents need to come up with an approach to, you know, we don't uh, deal, you can't go online while we're having a family meeting or at dinners. There are places that it's just not uh, wise uh, because it detracts from our abilities to get to know each other better. Absolutely. So we, 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 you know, parents really should, in many ways, take control over their kids' use of uh, the Internet and social media. Uh, what, what do you feel was the most challenging part of writing your book? I know uh, relating to contemporary issues, I'm sure, was part of it. But comparing this to the 60s and 70s when many of us were growing up or trying to grow up or trying to be parents, what is the challenge for today that is different from the 70s and 60s? Well, one of the big challenges we've already talked about, the advent of the Internet and social media, but a big thing that's happened in, over these last 30 or 40 years is we've had more single-parent families where one parent is shouldering the responsibilities of previously of two parents. And then in most two-parent families, both parents are in the workforce, either at home or uh, out of the, outside of the house. So that's been a big change in the structure of family life in, in, in the world. Particularly in our country, and that creates some real challenges in and of themselves for finding a good time to be with your kids, and uh, you know the distribution of responsibilities in the home. And then a third major issue is our kids have more access to uh, uh, drugs, uh, alcohol, and other drugs mm-hmm. than any of the past. And uh, that makes, you know, helping, uh, helping parents uh, know how to deal with uh, uh, alcohol and other drugs. And then another major thing that's happened over the last 30 or 40 years is our kids are more sexually active mm. than previous generations. And so that means parents really have to become not very knowledgeable about STDs and different um, 
uh, you know, the fact that uh, HIV AIDS is, is is possible, you know, it's only possible if you have sexual relations. Well, our kids are having sexual relations earlier than ever before. So there are a lot of contemporary challenges that really make it kind of a necessity. I've written a book called Parent Training, a Social Necessity, that parents really become as trained and educated as possible, both for the good of their children and for the good of themselves. Beautifully put. We have, uh, you know, many challenges facing the family unit in uh, today's world. Uh, I, I think possibly computers and technology has been the number one interrupter of family life in in many regards. I have. Uh, part I agree. Of, I agree. Yeah, I, I have. One, I have part of my family that uh, you know. I've got a, a young granddaughter who spends probably six to seven hours on her phone just either playing games or watching videos or doing other things. She's not engaged in, in family life the way I'd like to see it. Now, she's a brilliant girl and, and a sweet sweetheart, but that causes me concern because I know the dangers that are out there, and uh, they're very, even if you put up um, uh, guards on phones and other things, it's still a distraction. Yeah. You know, it's it's uh, still a an emotional and mental distraction from from real life. I, I appreciate the fact that you you've done so in in this book, Parenting Errors: How to Solve Them. You've taken a very complex subject and simplified it for even people like me. I can understand what you've written, and and you've done a beautiful job of it. I I like the AAR approach that you have also highlighted in our conversation. This book is also not only easy to read, but it's only 132 pages, so you didn't get uh, you know over overcome with uh, the desire to to share too much information. You made it simple. And and easy to to read. How long did it take, Doctor Alvey? Besides uh, the fifty years to 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 write this book? Well, it, it, when I decided on writing, you know, uh, such a book, it didn't really take that long. Just a couple of months, because I've been doing this for a long time. Coming up with the AAR approach is is totally uh, a new creation. Nobody has ever come up with that. Uh, but writing the rest of the book about what is effective parenting, what are the kind of ineffective ways of raising kids, and what are the resources that are available for parents in their communities and on the Internet. Um, I mean, I've been doing that for a long time. So it was a matter of, you know, kind of uh, systematizing information, you know, that I've uh, been sharing and my organization has been sharing with the parents all over this nation for a long time. Uh, so the writing of the book was probably just two to three months, but it was almost 50 years to come up with the, the background that uh, qualified me to, to make such uh, statements about what is good parenting and what is not such good parenting. It's a lifetime to get me to write it, but it didn't take that long once the decision was made. From from my perspective, I wish I had seen this book uh, back when I was trying to be a parent. Now I'm a grandparent and uh, looking over uh -huh. the shoulder of my my kids raising kids, and it's <laughs> it's an amazing uh, it's an amazing thing uh, to to be a grandparent and have to look the other way uh, when you think that maybe something could go better if it was uh, approached differently. The title of the book, again, is Parenting Errors, How to Solve Them. My author, Dr. Kirby, that's K-E-R-B-Y, 
middle initial T L V A L V Y. There's a website for the book. Yes, I have that. It's parentingerrors.org. Where do we get copies of your book is the next question I had. Well, you can go online to parentingerrors.org, uh, and you can purchase the book online. Um, and it should be at bookstores shortly. Excellent. Uh, I'll ask for Parenting Errors, uh, How to Solve Them by Dr. Kirby Alvey. Um, and this, those are the ways to do it. All right. And, and you, can, you can also get the book online. And Jay, this would be a terrific gift for your uh, for your your kids. You're absolutely correct. Absolutely. I need to probably share it with them. Uh, their kids are getting a little on the older side. Uh, a couple of them already in college. Uh, hard to believe I'm such a young guy and had such old kids, but uh, <laughs> I do have them. Uh, thank you for sharing that. And by the way, uh, listeners, you can do a search under Dr. LV, A-L-V-Y, and probably find not only this book, Parenting Errors and How to Solve Them, but other books and other publications that he has done. Uh, your main booksellers will have a copy of this. Your local bookseller can order it in by request, so don't, uh, don't hesitate to to, to do a search and find a copy of this book. I think it'll benefit your family greatly. Thank you, Dr. Alvey, for joining me today and sharing your story. Well, let me t- uh, share one other thing. Sure, please do. The major thing that our, that our organization does is to train and educate people who work in communities to run parenting classes. Beautiful. And we're kind of a national leader in training the training of social workers and educators and so that's another thing people can look to um, through, through CICC, uh, CICCparenting.org is the organization's website. And we're very interested in training more people in more communities, not only to help parents deal with parenting errors, but to train parents in really good parenting skills. And that's a big thing that we do at the Center for the Improvement of Child Care. Absolutely fabulous. Great information. Listeners, don't forget that address and uh, Dr. Alvey, how to reach him. Thank you again, sir, for joining joining me today and sharing your story. This uh, is important, and I know that in the future we'll probably have some other tips that will come out in print, and we look forward to visiting with you then. Same here, Jay. Thanks Uh, for the opportunity. My pleasure. For Ex Libris On Air, this is Jay Douglas Barker. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Only once every few years does a show come along that makes you think, makes you care, makes you believe the impossible. A show featuring only the best in writing, acting, and directing. Until that show comes along, we suggest Paranoria, Texas. Thrilled to the adventures of six super-powered nerds on a never-ending quest to take over the world and to complete their collection of She-Hulk comics. Paranoria, Texas, Monday nights at 8 p.m. Central on AstronetRadio.com. Welcome back to Ex Libris. Greetings for Ex Libris on Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book title is Art with a Story 3 by John Neiman, who joins me from the Northeast in uh, near New York City. Welcome, John, to the program. Thank you, Jay. 
Nice to, nice to speak with you. Well, your book is, is fascinating to look at because uh, included in its pages, uh, about 140 pages, uh, are, are wonderful uh, artwork uh, reproductions of, of, I guess, your art. You have uh, shown and been a, a proclaimed artist around the world. Is that a correct descriptive? Well, yes, as a matter of fact. I, I, I get about uh, six to ten art shows a year, at, many overseas, many in Italy and many in uh, London and uh, uh, Thailand and uh, lots in the U.S. Uh, and in New York. So I show art all over the place. So that's that's sort of what I uh, have done for the last 15, 20 years. That's incredible. And the other thing that's uh, fascinating about your, uh, I guess, interests is you are all, all, are also a prolific writer, having uh, completed at least 12 books that I'm aware of. When did you start the, the writing game or, or being an author? Actually, there are 18 books. But, 18, uh, wow. Um, I, I did as... Uh, when I was a young, young, uh, young boy, my dad was in the newspaper business, and he got me uh, uh, a job uh, in high school writing uh, theater reviews and uh, uh, and uh, movie reviews for his newspaper, which I did for several years. And my mom was an artist, so my mom would sit down there before I went to grade school and sit there and say, "Draw a pony, draw a dog." So she was the art side, and uh, Dad was the uh, writing side, and I guess I uh, couldn't make a decision, so there I am. I, I do both. <laughs> it's it's an amazing gift. I have uh, grandkids, I have children, I have uh, suggested that they draw things, and they certainly don't turn out as beautifully as your work, obviously. There's something in the gene pool that uh, that obviously, obviously stuck. You uh, have over 18 books. Uh, when did you begin your writing journey? Besides uh, being a child and and uh, being exposed to uh, to writing as, the other, did you as a serious writer? As a serious as, writer, I guess that yeah. would be called. Uh, well, I, I spent a, a, a forever in the advertising business, so I actually had to deal with both art and writing. And then in the advertising business, I did write a couple books for the agencies that I worked for uh, on behalf of them, and then. When I decided I got to get out of this, otherwise I'm going to die, uh, I uh, I started writing, I, I, and I wrote novels and uh, and and started doing art. So it's been about 18 years. So that's uh, and I did I did not find it. Well, you know what? I can't say I didn't find it difficult. It is it's difficult to write a book. You got like three by five cards all over on the wall, but uh, the uh, but anyway, so that's how it happened. I, 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 you know, I've done this for about twenty years now. It is, I, 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 and I find it immensely satisfying because I can write and I can do art. And uh, if if uh, if I get tired of one, I go to the other. If I get tired of the other, I go to the other. So there you go. That's that's that again is is an incredible gift. I I consider myself a creative, but I have uh, attention span disorder. I don't uh, I don't focus well for long periods of time, or I do complete projects. But it sounds as though you are able to to juggle both of those gifts and complete your projects wonderfully. Uh, obviously, if you've done over eighteen books, this is the third in a series. Art with a story. The other two were yeah. they similar to this as far as the layout yeah, design? Are. Okay. And Jay, yes. they would appeal to you. 
with a short attention span, ah, as you say. I do. I do like because, that. <laughs> uh, I I do have that as well. I go, you know, nobody has time for a 500-page book. Mm. Is uh, So I would sit across from a table and look at someone and go, what's their story? What is their story? Are they married? Are they divorced? Are they in the middle of an argument? Are, and it's very easy for me to imagine a very short, short flash fiction story about them. Uh, but in, this, in terms of this stuff, I do, I do the art first. I do the art, and then I look at the art, and I go, well, is there a story behind the story? And so mm-hmm. that's – and uh, I make them only like a page and a half or two pages because I go, nobody has an attention span beyond that. Yeah, I think you're absolutely correct. <laughs> you, you also have individualized by name some of the characters in your stories. Are those fictitious, or are they real people? Names have been changed. How would you describe those? Oh, no, they're all they're – all, they're, they're, well, they're people I know, but they're, they're – the names are all changed to protect the innocent. I I, I, I understand. Uh, it's all fiction. It's all fiction. There's no. It's flash fiction. There's no. Uh, there are no real people in my books that or short stories or flash fiction. They're just. Uh, you know, I I do call upon names that I can recall so that they sound real. That's all. But they're. I usually change the first or last name so that. They can't sue me. They can't sue. Uh, that's a good, good choice. Uh, the one story that <laughs> stuck out in my mind or jumped off the pages was The Last Days of Chuckles, and that reminded me of the Mary Tyler Moore show and uh, their most wow. acclaimed series. Did that story have uh, truth in its um, in its telling? No truth. No, no, no truth of Last Days of Chuckles. Whatsoever. Beautifully done. I had that piece of art for several years. I looked at it, and I thought, what the, what? kind of story can I make about this? <laughs> and I made it about a guy's last days as he's uh, in an old folks home. Um, it, it is sort of like a Mary Tyler Moore story. You know? yes. I remember that. What was, what was the... What was the uh... Chuckles the Clown story. This is oh, this is Chuck, Chuckles. Chuckles. This is Chuckles Carmichael, and uh, he was a uh, vaudevillian, from what uh, the story tells me. I know, me. and she could not stop laughing. That, and and uh, I, remember, right. I, I remember it well. Uh, anyway, this guy is uh, going down in, in his last days, and he just wants to um, have one last laugh. I did. His his goal in life was to uh, to leave him laughing. And leave. I guess I guess I won't give the punchline in your story because it is charming. You had me you had me drawn in. I thought specifically this was a real person and a real event because of the way you told it. It was not. It was not. It was all made up. So well, you most of them are. <laughs> Beautifully done. How many stories in your book? 140 pages. Are there that many, or are there maybe 100 well, I guess or so? There are like uh, I don't know, 45, 50. But and this is the third one, so I've done um, uh, I've done probably 150, and I've done I did two other uh, books of short stories. So they 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 have about. Uh, uh, another 300 of those of the books you've written which is the longest uh, story or tale that you have shared well i started writing novels and i wrote the blue morpho and i wrote uh, the wrong number one and they're like they're, they're three or four hundred pages long they're 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 true novels and as i get uh slightly older and with less attention span I write them shorter. I write novellas. I've written a, a couple of memoirs and a couple. Of, I wrote a novella this year, which was 150 pages. 
because I just I don't I don't know I don't know that that many people have uh, hours that many hours to sit there and read a 500 page book. Well, I have a, a friend who uh, who is a prolific yeah. prolific reader. Uh, he probably consumes maybe three or four medium to to large length books every single week. Uh, he, wow. He's married to a, a lady that does the same. I, I just, I'm not able to, to relate to that. I, I don't know how they do it, how they manage it in their busy lives, but I guess that's their entertainment. Uh, I'm accustomed, as most people are, to the uh, social media, you know, craze of uh, reading a short paragraph and if it's more than three or four sentences uh, passing it and going to the next one so i think you've you've hit a, a niche market that's probably uh very uh, productive for you or will be so how long does it take to complete you mentioned three by five index cards which would uh, be appropriate for a art with a story three the, the stories that you've included no it would not be for this the, the really? three by fives are for uh novels oh, where wow. you have to sit there and go my God, did I cover that hmm. in uh, in in the fifth chapter? Because you just do chapter outlines with those things. Interesting. This these are short stories. I can write a short story in uh, in uh, day and a half. Sometimes, actually, sometimes longer. Sometimes two days, but not much longer because they're short. They're like three hundred three hundred words, four hundred words, and um, you get to the point and. The hard part, if I may say so, the hard part is to have a little surprise at the ending and not telegraph it up front so that you get there and you go, wow, I'm pleased. I'm pleased. Hmm. I didn't know it was going to quite end that way, but it did, and that's pleasurable. Uh, but, But you can't have it come totally out of the blue. You have to tease as you go along. Obviously, that that was what was accomplished with the days, the last days of chuckles. I I just thought that was a charming story and uh, really uh, is I think representative of the style of what you do. The uh, book itself, uh, who is your audience yeah. uh, with what you have uh, created? Um, Adults only, well, or I, I, mean, there I, are some. I, 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 I hate to say I don't know who the audience. <laughs> I right. think it's uh, I think it's a good book on a, on a, on a uh, coffee table. I think it's a good book in the bathroom uh, for people who have like uh, three minutes to read a story. Uh, I tend to think I tend to think uh, most readers are women. Is, is really? what I think. I don't I don't know that men read men re- like to read business books or sports books, and um, I think women are a little more attracted to uh, fiction and stories. Fascinating, so, I, fascinating. You you also have uh, approached it in some regard. I mean, it does. Your stories do seem very believable when you start to read them. Uh, I have been in New York City, and some of the uh, events that you have um, outlined, I shall say, in a couple of those stories, I I, uh, I have been an observer myself of uh, some of the activities that uh, transpire in the streets and apartments <laughs> of New York. I will just put it that way. Uh, it's it's very interesting how you've approached this. Your book. Uh, this is the third. In a series, how many more do you think will uh, will be created, or are you in the process of uh, of perfecting another one? Uh, no, um, I, I, I think I think this could be it. I, I, I might do. I, I've written several, which is art of lists, where I do lists and then poetry. I'm, I think that might be the next one. And actually, after that, I think I may write. 
you know, I'm getting to the age where if I want to put something down in a novel, it should be somewhat uh, significant. Well, significant history already, and this in a series of uh, Art with a Story, book number three, and my author, mm-hmm. John Neiman. John, where can my listeners get copies of your book? Well, they can get it at uh, uh, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, or Ex Libris. Let me give the spelling of your name so that folks doing a search online can okay, uh, get acquainted with your work. It's John, it's standard spelling, and then N-I-E-M-A-N, John Neiman. N-I-E-M-A-N. If they want to go on my website, it's www.johnneiman.com, and you can see artwork and stories. Fabulous. Well, thank you for joining me today and sharing your, your story, how this all began, and has grown to a career of over 18 books in publication began and how it uh, has has transpired to over 18 books in the series of uh, of stories books novellas and and other works that you have completed wonderful history and uh, great to get acquainted with you today it was nice to speak with you thank you again the title art with a story three by john neiman thank you sir for joining me and uh hopefully we'll get to talk again i guess with 18 books maybe we might uh, bump into each other and uh, be able to discuss your next venture I would I would welcome that. Thank I, you. A pleasure. For Thank X you. for X Libras on air, this is Jay Douglas Barker.